If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with Benny Lee. I'm Benny out here in Ashland. we got Lee out there, Paducah. That's uh, across the bluegrass. We're covering it from uh, border to border, you know. And Lee, how are you doing out Paducah tonight? I hope you're staying safe. Hey, Benny. Hey, Big Blue Nation, all our listeners. I'll tell you what. I am so stoked today. You guys know me already, okay? I mean, you get it. And if you don't get my tweets, and I apologize to all the Bible thumpers out there for my little tweet today about Easter Sunday and he is risen and showing Rick Roby above the rim. But, hey, man, God has a sense of humor, and he gave us all a sense of humor. I get it. You guys know I'm religious. But, man, we've got Rick Roby on the show today. I mean, how Hi, much man, better man. can it get? There ain't nothing to be much better. You know, when you get a Kentucky legend, and we've had several, we're fortunate. We feel like two uh, – I, well, I'm speaking from from my own personal thing here. You know, he can explain it probably better than me. But I feel like two idiot Kentucky basketball fans that started a podcast, and we have talked to some of the greatest people to ever play for the Blue and White, and it's awesome, man. It really is. And uh, I mean, we've had, like I say, I'm not going to try to name names. I can say Tony Duck sticks out. I can say, you know, we've had a, we've had a bunch, man. We've had a bunch, and it's it's been awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, cotton man, and, 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 and cotton. I mean, you know, the list I mean, goes on and on and on, and it's only going to grow from here, and it's awesome. And and that's what I'm saying. You guys that are listening to us, and like I say, the numbers are going going really well, really. I mean, I'm just shocked at it all, to be honest with you. Who in the hell would want to listen to us, too? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, man, I, I don't think we're so bad. I mean, Benny, we've got to give ourselves credit. But, you know, it goes back to what you said along, Benny, and, and and you make it a point almost every show to say this, this is Big Blue Nation's show, and we do this for the love of Big Blue Nation. Of course, we're we're part of it, and, and we love it. And, and when you're born and you grow up in Kentucky basketball, this is your passion. And, and, and who wouldn't love to do what they love? I mean, this 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 is great. I, I tell you what, we don't get paid any money, folks. We do honestly do this for you, and of course, it's for us too. And, and we love Kentucky basketball, and that's why we're in this. And uh, and and hope you enjoy the shows. And, and we do appreciate you guys listening. And Lee, I just wanted to let you know, I've always said that nobody makes it, and nobody's doing well unless they have haters. And let me tell you, dude, they're coming out of woodworks on me lately. I had some goober on Twitter yesterday telling me I was a simpleton, basically, <laughs> because I said that one of Kentucky's greatest 
allies in recruiting is the FBI, and, and people don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. But it's the truth. It's absolutely yeah. the truth because because ever since the Dawkins documentary came out, which is a good light on Kentucky, but don't get me wrong, all those guys do not want Kentucky to get these big guys for one reason, because they, they lose them after that. Because Kentucky is for those kids, and they want those kids to do what's best for them. They're not trying which Kentucky's making money off of them, don't get me wrong, because Kentucky is Kentucky, and, and, and Kentucky sells itself. So they don't need to use a kid like Zion, and let's just say Zion in particular. Yeah, we didn't get Zion because we're not going to pay for dudes. I mean, let's just be real about it. People seeing pictures of the house, and I'm, and I'm just saying there's a lot of that going on, and a lot of that happens in Arizona, and people can deny it. They can look. You can look at it however you want to look at it. But Kentucky's recruiting has picked up since the FBI got involved, has it not? We got two top fives next year. It, it has. It absolutely has. And you know, and you're right. Kentucky sells itself. We, we've got a, a first class head coach in John Calipari, and you know, Kentucky it's legendary. And we, as Kentuckians have to face the media and, and everybody else that hates Kentucky, and and I will say it again, and I've said it before on previous shows, that this goes back to what Kentucky basketball meant. Adolph Rupp built a team. He built a system, and, and they just annihilated teams. And there was a lot of hatred because Kentucky won year in and year out and just blew teams off the court. And, and that was the philosophy that, that Adolph Rupp brought in. You know, we we see it with uh, we saw it with Joe B. Hall, we saw it with Rick Pitino, Eddie Sutton. I mean, all these guys, uh, the Calipari now. That they, they, we we take no prisoners as a basketball team. Let me tell you something that blew my mind. You brought it up. Is that Joe B. Hall is not in the Hall of Fame? I did not know that. I thought he was, and I I really didn't know that. I thought he was in the basketball Hall of Fame. How could that man not be in the Hall of Fame? What's wrong with people? See, I thought he went in in 2012, but maybe I'm wrong. I thought he was in the Hall of Fame too. Well, maybe I'm maybe I read something wrong, but I seen a, an article where Calipari was trying to get him into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he won a championship in '78, and he should have won a couple more. And that goes back to this thing that we hear with Cal all the time. Well, he can't win the big. Well, you know what? Ain't nobody can win the big one if they if if a player misses a free throw here. A player misses a free throw there. Guess what? That coach sucks, and, and according to everybody else's minds, which is ridiculous to me. Because I'm well, telling you, we don't, we couldn't have a better coach than we got right now, and I'm glad to have. And I can see this trend yeah. back. I said it on Twitter to the 2010-2012 recruit type stuff. We're going back on top. You watch. You're right, and, and you know, and, and I'm going to tell you something. You know. What makes the Hall of Fame? It, it takes a good coach. And sometimes we get hung up on championships. But once again, like you said, you know, championships do not grow on trees. I mean, Joe B. Hall <laughs> won one. Uh, John Calipari's won one. Uh, but, right. man, That's who, your favorite who, who thing, and I love it. Championships do not grow on trees. But here's the thing I'm thinking about when you're saying that. This is how my mind works, so everybody knows. I'm sitting here thinking about John Wooden, and I'm thinking, hmm, how many championships would John Wooden have won without Bill Walton? 
and Lou Alcindor. <laughs> and the list goes right, on. And right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And Adolph Brooke was there. He was close. And, you know, without the mandatory retirement age at his age in 72, do you know how many more games would he have won and championships? And people can say what they want. It goes back, well, you know, that's that's before basketball really mattered. That's way back in the old days. No, that's not true, folks. Uh, you know, he brought one up in, uh, what, 60, 60, was it 64, the last one he won? I think it was. And uh, But you think about Kentucky. And, but, but, but let's not forget the coaches that I consider great coaches, like the Rick Majerison. Yeah, Rick. Well, I mean, I'm not even talking Kentucky, but I'm talking like I, Rick I Majerus. Guys what that never won the big one. Yeah, yeah. Rick Majerus. Uh, I, I, I mean, know, Beeline. Al, 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 Al McGuire won one at Marquette, but man, what a what a coach, Al McGuire. Uh, I mean, I mean, think about it, folks. There, there are so many good yeah. basketball coaches that deserve to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame, and they and there's a lot of them that never won a championship. And that, that's the point we're making right now. Rick is called. Rick is on with us right now. So welcome, uh, Rick, to the show. How you doing, hey, Rick? It's, hey, it's a real honor to welcome welcome you, Rick. Uh, and, and folks, we're welcoming a member of the 1978 NCAA champion Kentucky Wildcats, and also a member of the 1981 NBA champion Boston Celtics. His jersey is retired in Rupp Arena. And currently, he is a successful business owner in Louisville with the XP Realty Company. And uh, it's an honor to have our next guest, Rick Roby. I appreciate you all having me on tonight. How are you doing, Raising Cajun? I'm doing all right. Happy Easter to everybody across the state. Thanks for joining us. Rick, we're so glad to have you, and I know it's crazy. It's Easter Sunday, but uh, and we're all dealing with this pandemic now, and there's just so much to talk about because there's nothing happening in sports, and I'm sure you're trying to stay busy in your work and everything, but just give us a little bit of a day-to-day with you and your family and how you guys are adapting to this pandemic. Well, as you said, I I'm a realtor here in town, and I just built a brand-new real estate office getting ready to open it about three weeks ago, and all this came about, but it's all good. Uh, I've been blessed that I can still go out and play a little golf with my buddies in the fresh air. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, – who would have ever thought our country would have had what's going on right now with sports? I feel terrible for all these senior kids that were getting ready to play in the NCAA. You know, a dream come true. They get there and they can't do it. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's just tough. But guess what? We'll all come out of this. We'll be good. Everything will be all right. Absolutely. And, and as a parent, I can relate because, you know, this is one of those things that, you know, we're, we're, we all look at these things from a personal standpoint. And, yeah, we missed the NCAA tournament. Who who didn't want to see Kentucky play and, and, and just the whole tournament, as, as much fun as it is. And I think we get a little greedy that way. But, you know, 
I go out to these, and I'm going to tell you, I, I've got a girl I coached in, in here in Western Kentucky, Bailey Vick, was, was a member of the Kentucky softball team, and they were ranked in the top 20 for the first time in several years. And they got robbed of their their OVC tur- the SEC tournament, excuse me, and the NCAA tournament probably. And, and but what it's done to these kids at even the lower amateur levels in high school, it, it, it's very sad to me. I, I hate it for these kids because you know as a coach and coaching youth kids, this, this it hurts. It really hurts from a parent standpoint. There's no question about it. Uh... You know, when you work as hard as you do as an athlete and you prepare yourself and you get to that dream that you're always – I couldn't imagine my senior year this happening to me. You know, uh, when you bust it as hard as you do and you want to get to that plateau that you always dreamt about. But, uh, you know, all I can say to – you know, you just got to keep your head up and keep on moving forward. You know, uh, everybody, you know, it doesn't matter where you are or what you do or anything. It's 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 tough on everybody right now. And uh, hopefully here in the next, you know, month, uh, two months, we'll get things back opened up and get to start seeing some sports and just being able to get out and see your friends and go have dinner. That's uh, what I'm missing. Hi, Rick. Uh, Michelle, one of our little listeners, says hello. She She's a big fan of yours. And also, I wanted you to ask you what it was like to play for Joe B. And maybe tell us something about Joe B. that we don't already know, because I know there's got to be some stories in there somewhere. <laughs> well, I mean, Coach Hall, let me tell you, I know him better now. I'm a better friend of him now than I was probably back then. But uh, (laughs) Coach Hall, you know, when I was a player, I mean, he was a tough disciplinarian person. And I will say this, uh, most players, when they were playing for him, probably didn't appreciate him a whole lot at the time because of that. But what I always told young players coming in after after me, I always said, when Coach Hall's yelling at you, he's yelling at you because he knows you can get better and he cares for you. When he quits yelling at you, that's when you're in trouble. So, uh, but uh, Coach, uh, he he couldn't have been a better person for me. I know when I came in as a freshman, you know, I played in the Derby Festival here. You know, Coach Hall always said, Rick, if you come in here, do what I tell you, get yourself, lose some weight, get yourself in shape, uh, I'll make you into a decent player. And, you know, I tried to do the things he said, and by golly, if he didn't uh, turn me into what I ended up having a great pro you know, have, being drafted number one in the draft and, you know, just all the different things uh, due to his uh, toughness and everything that just made me that much better of a player. And, and, and Rick, since you touched on that, and, and I'm old school with you, I, I'm I'm not that much 
younger than you. I was 14 years old when you guys won that tournament. And, and I'll tell you what, I sat on the edge of my seat every minute of that game. And, and what a fantastic game. And I've been watching it since you and I have been talking this week. But just tell us a little bit about that recruiting process that you touched on a little bit and, and what coaches and who, who made the impact with you and, and why did you ultimately decide on Kentucky? Well, I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, okay? Yep. Big city. Right. And, uh, you know, coming out of high school that year, Moses Malone was ranked as the number one center in the country, and I was ranked as the number two center in the country coming out of high school. So I made several visits. I went out to Kansas. I went to Florida. Florida mainly because my dad was a graduate of there. I went to Notre Dame. And then I ended up coming to Kentucky. And I can remember flying into Kentucky. And uh, there was a little just a white house there, the airport, it says, welcome to wildcat country. And you got to realize back then all they had were pay phones. So when I got there, I called my dad and I said, where in the heck did you send me? I said, this little airport here says, welcome to wildcat country. And let me just say this after really maybe that visit, the players, that was the year we were 13 and 13, and the players were not in town. I got to meet the coaches, got to see the facilities, and uh, I knew sports. I mean, basketball was what it was all about here. But I went back home. I ended up narrowing it down between Notre Dame and Kentucky, Digger Phelps was at Notre Dame at the time. And uh, I told my dad, I said, Dad, I really want to go back up to Kentucky. I want to meet the players and just see when the players are there. And I came back up, and Jerry Hale was my host. And Mm -hmm. let me tell you, once I got to meet the players and saw what was Jack Givens, James Lee, Mike Phillips, Danny Hall had already committed. And with Greedy, Guy Etzlin, Connors, Hale, G.J. Smith, all that group was there. I said, Dad, that's the right place. Either I'm going to make it or I'm not going to make it. And uh, it ended up being the definitely the right choice. Now we know why Digger Phelps really hates Kentucky. I know Ben is getting ready to ask you something, but I've got to interject this in there real quick because, Rick, you you mentioned yourself up there with Moses Malone. And and you know what? Growing up a 76ers fan, and that was mostly due to Julius Irving. I was a huge Dr. J fan. And and I just am amazed that you got to play against these guys. But I'll give you this. Moses Malone might have been ranked number one and you number two, but you did win a championship before he did. Well, I can tell you, I played against Moses when we won the 81 world title. He was at Houston. Okay. So it was, uh, 
You know, it was kind of payback to him, too. You should have gone to college. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, he, didn't get his, he didn't get his in Philadelphia until 83, so you were ahead of him in 81 with Boston. Yeah. Well, it was all good. He, he, he was one heck of a player. <laughs> I was well, you know, what? all I was trying hey, to say. So were you, Rick. So were you. I know why hey, Digger Phelps really hates I'll, Kentucky I'll, now. I always tell people, you know, they go, you know, I want a high school, college, pro, and a gold medal. I said, I've always been blessed with great players around me. I tell you what, it's just amazing what you did, honestly. The gold medal and just so many things that you did. I mean, where you played, it does take team chemistry. But, you know, you were part of that, and what you did is nothing short of amazing. Well, all I know is in the pros, to this day, I still played with the greatest back line of all time, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish. Wow. You'll, never, you'll never see a better back line, even in today's game, than those three guys. I believe you. And I just saw Bird down in Naples before I had to come back here before all this virus and stuff. I was down there, and uh, he's doing good. He's playing a little bit of golf now. Hey, Rick, could you give us a could you give us a, a Larry Bird? Because Roger Harden, we have him on all the time. We love Roger on here. Could you give us a Larry yeah. Bird story that, that nobody's ever heard? Because I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you've got some from. Well, I probably got too many stories I can't say on the radio, but the first time we, Larry is a rookie, and uh, we're going into New York City for a, uh, like a preseason game, and, you know, we go in there, and he goes, all right, let's go out to dinner, and we went to the steakhouse, and we each ordered steak, and we get the tab, and the tab was like, I guess, close to a hundred bucks or whatever. And he goes, hundred dollars, and I said, Well, Larry, we, you know, we gotta leave a tip too. Tip hell, <laughs> I could, I, I could live in French Lick for a week on a hundred dollars. <laughs> and I mean, he, and this is a serious guy, okay? This seems like easy. <laughs> so. Uh, to this day, I always tease him. I said, hell, he used my American Express so much on that first year he was in the league, but I will tell you, he's been buying my meals since. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, Larry made yeah. a dollar or two. There ain't no doubt about that. Larry. Well, he's, I can remember. I can remember his rookie year. We, He and I, we were roommates, and he lay in, that, in there after games. He goes, you know, if I could just have a million dollars in the bank someday, it would be unbelievable. So, you know, Larry, <laughs> Larry's in everybody's top five. Imagine what Larry could have been if not for the back. Because I think a lot of people forget about that, you know. Uh, he had a lot of back issues. And, and I can remember him laying on the floor in the finals just to get out there and play another five minutes. And Larry was a was a competitor, man. He was. He was something else. Well, 
I was down there last year, February. My wife and I, we went over to visit him to have dinner, and he never sat down because of his back. But, uh, you know, that's just part of uh, playing sports. I've had two knee replacements, one hip, and, you know, you just, you got to deal with it, move on. So. Yeah, and, and that kind of cut your that kind of cut your career short too, Rick. And, and, well, uh, go ahead. Go ahead I mean, out, out in Phoenix, uh, you know, I had a real major Achilles problem, and then my hip. But I, hell, I had a great career. I had fun. It was good. Yes, sir, you did. And we're we're so happy to have you on Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass because we're just a little old, little old deal that's starting to grow. And uh, we've had some we've had some good guys on, but you know, you guys in '78, like like I was telling Lee before we come on, I was two and I don't remember a whole lot. But I actually went back and watched the game the other night, and and Jack Gibbons got all the credit. But man, you you were a stud that game, man. I'm thinking. We could use him next year. We, we need a big guy like him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, Rick, and, line, and no kidding, Rick. You were right there. You were right there behind Jack that game, and without you, we wouldn't have won that game for sure. Well, going into that game, we all were pretty confident, and that was the great thing about that '78 team. When somebody was on, we made sure they got the ball. It was the most unselfish team. I ever played on, and, uh, you know, Jack and James and Mike and myself, we'd gotten close one time, really two times. Our junior year was the year that North Carolina four-cornered it on us and uh, made 35 out of 36 free throws. Or, And if we mm-hmm. would have made it to that Final Four, we would have won it our junior year. But uh, it was our last hurrah, and, you know, Duke played this zone that just allowed Jack to get that ball right around the free throw line in there, and Jack lit it up, and we just kept feeding him, feeding him. But uh, every night, somebody stepped up and made it happen. I'll tell you what, though, Rick, what I I saw from that game was was you guys – you guys were so – alert to getting off the ball and and on the shots you guys were moving the whole time and there were some incredible putbacks in that game James Lee yourself uh there was one Jay Shiler shot and you went in there and you just stuffed back on it it did incredible it seemed like all these these things were just timely at every moment of the game and, and it just seemed like you guys were focused on on the on winning the game and doing the right thing, you guys just it didn't seem like you missed a beat. Well, the bottom line is it was our last shot. We better be focused. <laughs> but uh, well, it was just our. We just had a great group. Not even talk about the four seniors, but uh, you know Macy, Truman, Clater, Lavon Williams. Freddie Cowens, you know, uh, Tim Stevens, just right on down the line, just a bunch of great guys, and uh, it made our team that great. 
Let me because you, you mentioned Levon Williams, so I've got to ask you this. Because there yeah. was a report back in the day that and, and as artistic as Levon is, and, and I tell you what, he played some key minutes in that championship game. And it came up with some yep. great steals and rebounds and putbacks, but that he made you a pair of pants at some point in time while you were at Kentucky. What kind of pants did he make you? And, and, and tell us a little bit about that because I thought that was kind of funny. He did make me a pair of blue jeans, okay? Wow. And they were one of a kind. But I do want to tell you what he did for me after my senior year. You know, Coach Hall, I was always a right-handed player when I was a freshman. And he always told me, he said, Rick, if you could ever learn to use your left hand, yeah, people wouldn't be able to cover you. So that next summer, all I did was shoot left-handed, left-handed, left-handed. I worked on left-hand hooks. I did everything. And by my senior year, I shot probably 60%, 65% of my shots were left hooks because everybody yeah. was waiting to my right hand. LeVon yeah. Williams. When I graduated, you know, he is a wood carver. Yes. He made me a wood carving thing, life size of me shooting my left hand. Wow. And uh, to this amazing. day, I still have it. It's, it's crazy. And uh, <laughs> LaVon made us all championship trophies. Of us, of, I mean, he carved them all. And I still have that to this day. So, Lavon is definitely artistic, and he's doing really great now. I think his artwork, people all over the state, all over the country are buying his artwork. If you can, Rick, I know this is asking a lot, but if you would, if you don't mind, at some point in time, I'd appreciate it if you would send that to me and I would put that out on Twitter and, and media so people can see it and, and appreciate it because that that's something I think people would really value. Well, it's both, both of them are one of a kind. And I will say I'm sitting here right now looking at the championship net. Hey, I, I just want to let my house know. And Jack Evans and I each got each Go got one of the championship nets. And then the crazy part about it, my dad passed away probably, it's probably close to 15 years ago. And he actually, you remember back in the day how they had the blue paper and they did the after each quarter and after each half and all that. I actually yep. have a transcript that I found in my dad's drawer of that whole game. And it's probably the only one still out there. And I I look at that all the time. It's play by play. Who did this? Who did that? And who did that? It's pretty crazy. Hey, and we're sorry. We're really sorry about your father, and we understand. Trust me. We all have family members like that. And just so you know that it's crazy. Could you just imagine your father watching you play for Kentucky and how happy that made him? And that's what I was trying to say earlier is that we all love you guys. Like, 
you'll never understand how much we love you guys because you're a member of a championship team. And and people think, like Lee likes to say, those things don't grow on trees, man. And you have to be a hell of a team to bring one of those home. That's just a, I mean, you think about the 2015 Kentucky team. Nobody thought there was ever a better team, and they came up short, guys. They didn't finish it like you guys did. That's just the, that's just the facts, you know. You guys finished the deal, and you'll always be like Kentucky icons, whether you want to be or not. That's what you are, you know what I'm saying? Well, we're uh... – we were all blessed to be able to play at Kentucky, okay, first of all. And then uh, we were blessed to have great coaches in Joby Hall, Dick Parsons, Leonard Hamilton, now that the head coach at Florida State. Look what he's done. Leonard was great. And uh, we're just – we had a lot of great coaches and uh, – we had Bill Kitely, who yes. took care of us every day. So I don't mind me crying. We just had a lot of good things that happened to us. Hey, hell yeah, Bill Kitely, <laughs> Mr. Kentucky. What a great man. What a great man. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And, Rick, it's just so awesome. And, you know, and I can tell you honestly that everybody we talk to, and you're no exception, and, it, it just feels like we have a close bond, and 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 you guys, I will tell you from my standpoint and Benny's standpoint that that we're humble to even talk to you, and, and your time and your compassion it shows. Uh, I, I've met Jack Gibbons on several occasions. I bought a lot of books and things from Jack, and, and Jack's actually sent it to my house, and so I've got your autograph inter- indirectly, but. Uh, I'm very humbled to speak with you today, and I can't I can't even explain to you how much it means for you to be on our show and and, and how much we love you. Well, there ain't no doubt. I appreciate, you. I appreciate y'all having me on, and uh, happy Easter to everybody, and everybody stay safe now. You know, and uh, we'll get through all this uh, crazy world we're going through now. Yep, Rick. You want, like you want to say a little bit about too. Stay together. You want to say a little bit about your business, Rick, while you're on the air? Oh, I'm. A bottom line is I've been a realtor since I retired. Uh, I mean, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm building my own company. Anybody that's in real estate that wants to be a part of the future. I was a REMAX agent for 29 years. I joined the company EXP. It's a cloud-based company, and that's where the future real estate is. And if you have an interest, call me at 502-419-9001 because it is the future real estate. That's all I can say. Thank well, you. we appreciate you, you and uh, we'll we'll put it out there on a tweet here later about your business. And like I say, we appreciate you coming on. Hey, you're one of the heroes you, to us, without a doubt. Let's do it again, Rick, because th- this was a lot of fun. Well, holler at me again. We'll do it. All right. Thanks, buddy. You have a good night. You all have a great Easter. Bye. Bye.
How about that, Lee? <laughs> How about yeah. that? Man, I don't know, but I just, I, I just, what, a, what a fantastic man! And you know, it just goes back to what we said. I mean, these guys, Kentucky basketball. I mean, how real is it, guys? These guys love it. You know, I, I will say this, Benny. Do, do the new, does, does the new generation, do these new kids understand Kentucky basketball and appreciate it like the guys from back in the day? I'm not so sure. I think, I think some do, but not all of them. I think they do, but they just don't know how to go back that far. Well, let's think about it. We can't go back to to early Adolf Rupp days, you and I. We can't. I think they do. They just think John Wall and uh, Anthony Davis are the goats, which the hell they may be. <laughs> let's be real yeah. about this. I don't know too many players better than Anthony Davis. You know what I'm saying? I can't name Boy, five better than Anthony Davis. I can name I, mean, you I know, can name two better than Anthony Davis, in my opinion, at Kentucky. And people will probably say I'm wrong about that. And that's Dan Issel and, and Jamal Mashburn. As much as I right. love Rick Roby, as much as I love Kyle Macy, as much as I love Jack Gibbons, as much as I love Ken Walker. We could go on. Roger Harden's one of our personal best friends. He He's always yeah. on this. But it's hard to yeah. say too many people were better than Anthony Davis. You know what I'm saying? He, he's like All-NBA, All-SEC, he's Player of the Year. Anthony Davis might yeah. very well be the best player to ever come through this daggone program, to be quite honest with you. Right? Yeah. And, and, and then you've got people in the wings like Tyler Hero and uh, – Devin Booker, and, I mean, it's, it, it is just crazy. And John Walls had a successful career. But, you know, it, it, it just to me, I, I think what we're going to see is the difference in, you know, Rick Roby was there four years. And, and most of those players, you look at that senior class, you had James Lee, Jack Gibbons, Mike Phillips, and Rick Roby. And you had a, a sophomore, Kyle Macy, and you had Jay Scheidler, you had LeVon Williams. You, you had guys off the bench that were incredible. And, I mean, we don't see that now at Kentucky. And I think that's that's some of the frustration with Big Blue Nation now is that we're not keeping these kids three and four years. I mean, we can, we can go back since John Calipari came to Kentucky but and think, well, John Wall stayed off four years, but you know what? We're not going to get those guards down the line the two, three, four years because if John Wall's there, they're not going to come to Kentucky because they got to go against John Wall. They're not going to come so much. So it, it, it's, a, it's a delicate balance, and we're just not going to see these elite players. And Rick Roby was an elite player. Guys, listen, he was ranked second in the country to Moses Malone at center. He was a multi-athlete. He played football, baseball, everything. I mean, this this guy was an athlete. And he played all four years at Kentucky. I'm going to tell you something that took me off guard. I didn't know he was number one pick. <laughs> did you know that? Be honest. <laughs> yeah, I did know. Yeah, I knew it. He was, a, I tell you what, Rick Roby. And, and we did, you know, we spent a lot of time with Rick. But there were so many things that I wanted to talk to him about. It just is that, man, when you watch him play in that 78 championship game, but you watch his old games and through the season, 
that guy was athletic as hell. I mean, that guy was all over the place. He was a he he was a monster. He was a true monster. But now he you know he had Mike Phillips in there, and and I didn't get to touch on uh, you know Mike Phillips foul issues in the Duke game in the championship game in '78 because Mike Phillips picked up some quick fouls early. He was he was he was out. I mean, he fouled out early. He had uh, four, three or four fouls in the first half, but you know. They were a better team with just Rick in there, one or the other. But, but you see a lot of Joe B. Hall's high-low game with Rick and, and Mike in the game. And But Kentucky had a great bench. They had a great bench in 78, man. Don't get me wrong. James Lee was there. Man, he was a, just a force, you know. So just so many great stories with that being uh, – but, yeah, Rick Rogan, I mean – there aren't many Kentucky players that can say they won a championship at Kentucky and won an NBA championship. I think he may be the only one. I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. I think Dan Essel might have won an NBA championship, but I don't yes, know. Yes, you're right. Sure. You're right. You're right. No, Dan Essel did with the Kentucky Colonels. You're right. You're right. And Louis Dampier. Which that's not an NBA. You know, it's an ABA. But at the same time. We've had some great I players. Yeah, absolutely. We've had some great, great players. And Mashburn, I talked to – I don't know if it's on the air or not, but maybe that was last – yeah, that was last week with Travis Ford. We talked about how Mashburn would have been so damn good without injury, and it's just true. It's just I, I the way Jamal it is. Mashburn, I think Jamal Mashburn still, to this day, was the best college basketball player to come out of Kentucky, but how do you rank these guys? And Yeah, I get it, man. Hey, hey I'm an Anthony Davis fan, but the the rich history of Kentucky makes that difficult for all of us. How do you rank these guys, really? You can't rank them. You can only love them like, like children. That's, that's what I was telling somebody the other day. It's like they're all children to me. When you get past my high school days, they all become like my kids, like Andrew and Eric. I thought they got a bad rap. I thought they were really good, and they were really good for Kentucky. And I thought, I honestly thought they'd both make it in the NBA for a lot of years, but they didn't because I thought Aaron just had that gene in him, like the Jordan gene, you know, like when the game's on the line, give me the ball, I'm going to put the thing in the hole. And I always thought Andrew was a hell of a point guard, and I really still do. I think they they just kind of missed their era. Like, could you imagine those physical guys in the 90s? Because they were physical guys as guards. And it's just like they missed their area by a little bit. And it's it's sad because now it's all about shooting and getting the most threes up that you can, which I think that's going to step back as soon as we find the next Jack. We just have not found him in a while. I'm just seeing a tweet from John Wang. Shut your mouth, Kyle Macy doesn't make mistakes. But he did. He threw one away in that 78 championship game. It's a funny because we're so involved with Twitter. But going back to that 78 championship game, and I know John means that well. But you know what? That that team was so locked in. And going back to that, it's just it's just incredible. I tell you what, when you when you watch Rick Roby in that game. I mean, like I told him, we don't win that without him either. I mean, Goose Gibbons was open for a reason, and it was because they were they were trying to focus on Rick Roby too. 
And even Mike Phillips out of that game, it, it was just – and let me tell you, folks, that was a great Duke team. They were young, but they were very good. You got Spinarkle and you got Banks in it. And that's, that was a hell of a Jeminsky. team. And, Jeminsky. Yeah, Let's man, not forget man. about Jeminsky. He's yeah. probably the best of all of them, to be quite yeah, frank Jeminsky with you. Was tough. And, and Roby held his own. I'll tell you what, Roby, Rick Roby played one heck of a game in that. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's just overshadowed because – he had a double-double in that game. He was the only one that had a double-double. But, you know, Gibbons' play was just so incredible. He jumped so many lanes, so many steals. And there were some, there were some bad foul calls there. I mean, obviously, Mike Phillips, was, uh, he was foul-prone. But he got some questionable calls in that game when you look at it. And uh, but, but, you know, they won the game. And it, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was an incredible game. They played as a team, and they methodically just carved their gut in that game. Yeah, they did. I mean, you know, all of our championship teams, they have, they have a quality, and it's the same quality. They don't. They refuse to lose, and that's the thing. It's, it's just crazy how, how all these teams, if you really get to looking at it, they have the same – same type players, the ones that won't give up, the ones that that came from. Let's be honest, they came from nothing, and they have. Yeah. They, it's just it's just a little bit of extra work, you know what I'm saying? And you see the guys that, yeah. that fell short, and some of them felt entitled. But these guys like Rick, it's his fourth year. Yeah, and Benny, would you not agree though? You know, here we are, two guys from Kentucky. And we would give our IC to a play at Kentucky. All right? And, yeah, exactly. And, and okay. That's what I was going to tell and, Rick and, earlier. Is there's guys and, like you and me that have had these same injuries playing high school, playing pickup, whatever. Because we just love the freaking game, man. Like my yeah. knee, yeah. if I go fishing too long right now, it hurts me. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah. But. You know, and, and you know, and, and and Rick even touched on it. I knew he was from New Orleans, New Orleans area, and they come in here, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. These guys, of course, Jack Gibbons, we know he was from Lexington. He, I think, he played Lexington in Lafayette, maybe. And uh, but uh, you know, these guys, you know, Rupp and Hall, they were recruiting the best players in the nation just like anybody does back then even, and just like John Calipari does. But Rick Roby embraced Kentucky, and you heard him say tonight on the show that he told his dad, Kentucky's the place for me. He said that I may not make it, but, you know, I've got to, I've got to, we'll have to work at it to get there, but I may not make it, but it's, it's a place that's going to make me work harder and be better. So I mean, Kentucky is the same thing now. That that is what Kentucky is now, and you know we embrace these guys as one of our own. It doesn't matter where they come from. I would love to see these kids from Kentucky get there. And sometimes I think we miss these guys. But bottom line is, Rick Roby's a Kentuckian, in my opinion. He, he made his life here. He's still here. He chose Kentucky, and when they choose Kentucky, they become part of the family. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And, and and not to change the subject too much, but, you know, everybody's worried about next year, right? And what I want to know is, let's just say, I mean, we added the men's kids, 
who's who's really perfect for this for mentoring Askew. You know it, I know it. Anybody knows basketball knows it. He's perfect. Let's just say we don't get Greg Brown, which I don't think we will, and we add Matt Harms, which I think we will. A lot of people are down on Harms because but I think Harms is exactly what we need. He's a seven foot three rim protector. And let's think about it. It's not I mean, people can think what they want to think. And I know Calipari loves to play the two posts. But this is not a post team with all those wing scores that we got. Let's think about the scores that we got next year in BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, even uh Dante Allen who who I've said all along is was would have been this year's Tyler Hero had he not got hurt. I tell you, Florida is going to be really good. Georgia, Vanderbilt, going to be really good. And I don't know if we do. We really know who's leaving Kentucky right now. We don't know. We're still in the dark on some of these guys. But. Look, I'm gonna clear it up for everybody because I know everybody sitting here wishing, hoping. They're all gone. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's the way it goes, and it sucks. Quickly's gone. Nick's gone. EJ, gone. So let's just go that route. Let's just go that way. Now, let's say EJ were to come back, because I think EJ's the only one that's got a chance to come back. Even if he come back, we still need harms. We still need that rim protector. Because EJ's all right, rim protector, but he's not elite. Matt Harms is an elite rim protector. And I'm telling you, Joe Justice and Tony Barbie have sewed that, have sewed that up. I'm telling you, they're coming. He's, he's coming. I think Harms will be good. And he, he's going to be somewhat of a Andre Riddick, I mean, Timberlake. He's going to be a rim protector, maybe even a Jules Kamara, but he's going to be tough. And he's got an outside shot be a good stretch. But we still need that one dominant inside guy. And, and I don't know who that's going to be yet, but I, I feel better about the guard situation because Askew wasn't ready to take it on. And I think Mintz is going to be a good mentor. I think Mintz is going to be a key player next year, honestly. Yeah. I think- I think one thing people forget about Mintz is he played for a top 15 Creighton team. And, yes, he was injured this year, but he would have been a starting point guard on that team had he not got injured. And, yes, those injuries scare me, but he's not going to have to play 35 minutes. He's going to split minutes with Askew. He's actually going to mentor Askew, which is an odd thing these days, actually having a mentor. You know, I mean, I think that's one of the things that made and maybe I'm wrong, Lee, but you tell me basketball was better back in the day because guys played behind guys. To me. Yeah. And now they gotta come in and they gotta play right away. And I get it. I get how it's all changed and I still love it. And I still love the players, but I think it was better when you played behind I mean Harden played behind uh Minifield, right? Am I not wrong about right. that? Right. No, and, you're right. And he, and he respects Minifield to this day because Minifield was the man. And, and as much as, you know, I went back during all this COVID-19 stuff, and we got a caller coming in. Let's see who it is. Oh, okay. show, but, but 
Welcome to the show. You're on with Benny and Lee. Hello? This is Michael? This is Michael Bennett. Hey, Michael. Oh, the Michael Bennett. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michael, you know, we we had a couple beers together down there in Atlanta at the regional back when we lost to Kansas State. I don't want to remember that, but how you doing, brother? (laughs) I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Good. Thanks for joining us on this Easter Sunday. Absolutely. Hope y'all had a wonderful one. Well, same to you. Thank you. So, tell, tell us a little bit, Michael. So, man, we're we're in this big discussion right now with Kentucky and and in the, the senior relation to the one and done. We just got off here with Rick Roby, and uh, so what do, what do you think? I mean, we we've got you know you compare the '78 team. We had these guys here for four years, and, and what Benny was saying is. I, I can even write to this back in high school. You played behind the older people till you got good enough to the coach said, hey, I want this guy instead of you. But usually it, it was just a graduation process. A lot of these kids coming in now want to play now. Like Benny said, they want to play now. It's me now. It's me now. It's me now. They're, they're not basically, patient enough to wait. Basically what we're saying is sometimes mentor is good. Sometimes having a mentor is good, and a lot of these guys don't get that because they come in right away. And I'm not knocking the one dunk. I love this whole – I love the Calipari area. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying sometimes it's good. Like like we were talking about Davion Mintz is going to come in. He's going to mentor. He's going to mentor you, and I think it's going to be good for him. Well, I think we've gotten into a situation where there is an expectation playing for John Calipari. And the expectation is, I'm going to go there, play one year, and then I'm going to make all kinds of money after playing that one year. And, of course, that's where Cal is, is very adamant about saying UK is not for everybody, it's, and nor is playing for him for everybody. So uh, that's what makes it tough when when those kids get there. And the majority of them today uh, are, are – and I can't speak for – Rick Roby and his generation, but uh, they're playing competition uh, unlike any other. I don't think they played that quite a competition uh, during the summer and had all these leagues that they've got going on today. So these kids that are coming out of these summer leagues are ready to play at high levels, like a Tyrese Maxey or a John Wall, Boogie Cousins. Those guys are ready to play and perform. So, but unfortunately, every now and then, we guys we get a guy in there, uh, and I won't mention any names, but we've got you know one this year uh, that that just isn't ready, and he can be that exactly. mentor type. That's what P. That's what P.J. Washington ended up being. You look at the transformation of Nick Richards and what he has done, and he'll readily admit it. I love the kid, and he'll readily readily admit sometimes we're not all ready, and we. We grow at different levels, and three years was for me. And hopefully he comes back another year, but I don't think he does. Yeah, yeah and exactly without Nick Richards, right. this team wouldn't be that successful this year. Nick Richards was a key piece on this team this year. What yeah. are you saying? Yeah, he was right. the key in as well as Emmanuel Quickly. I mean, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, hey, don't forget, guys, he was the SEC player of the year. So and <laughs> he, uh, those two players right there alone, 
prove that it's okay to stay another year or two. But here's what everybody's missing. Johnny Cusack. He would have been great next year. I don't know why he left. I I'll tell you what I think. And and you know, you're you're on real radio, so you probably you probably don't want to answer this, but Lee can answer this. I think Johnny Juzang was missing and I think Arizona come and paid for him. I really do. I think Arizona is the crookedest program out there, one of the top one of the top three crookedest programs. I think if he'd come back to Kentucky though, he would have been a big part and he would have made shots. He's probably gonna do that against us next year because he's ready now because he had a year under Calipari. Yeah, you're right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say something like that. That's pretty bold, uh, especially when we can't substantiate it. But I, I, I feel like what happens with a player like Johnny Juzang, because you're right, he would have come back and been a, uh, a a real leader for this team and and made him probably potentially a lot more money in the NBA if he had improved. Same thing with Khalil Whitney. What happens is again, it goes back to this point where the expectations are so much higher playing for a Kentucky and it's just not Kentucky. It's a Duke. It's a a Kansas. It's, it's all these big upper echelon elite programs that are out there. And the expectation is I'm going to go play one year. Then I'm going to make millions of dollars. And then the family hears this. And then when that expectation is not coming to fruition, guess what? The families get involved and Cal was very vocal about this. Don't go home and let a whole bunch of people get into your head. You need to come back, play here another year, improve, and then you'll make the correct steps to hopefully get you a lottery pick. And that just wasn't the case with Khalil Whitney and as well with Johnny Juzang. Yeah, it's it's just it's a transition for these guys, you know, coming from that level of play and, and expected to be the man. I think that's a lot of it. And, you know, I think we're seeing more of the outside influence from the parents and and outside coaches, AAU coaches whatsoever. But, you know, these guys saying that, we're going we're going to get the right fit at Kentucky. And, and I think that's the, the, the growing process and which you have to go through with, with being a team like Kentucky. Well, and that's why you're seeing the Cal now go after these uh, grad transfers. It worked out really well with Reed Travis. It worked out extremely well with Nate Sestina. And, and I'm sure Cal just together with them and say, okay, here is going to be your role. I want you to mature these guys and show them the ropes. And Nate Sestina, I thought, did a phenomenal job. Hey, you know, everyone seems to think that, that Harms is a bad get. And I don't know if they think that because they know we're going to get him. <laughs> or if they just think that because – but I think Harms is an excellent get. I really do. I think he fits in well at Kentucky because he's an elite rim protector, which is exactly what we need. And everybody says Isaiah Jackson is that. And maybe he is, but we don't know that because we know we have some freshmen that get it and we have some freshmen that don't. But Matt Harms can come in and be an elite rim protector right off the bat. And let's face it. We're not going to be a two-post team. You can say what you want to say. Calipari is not an idiot. We're not going to be a two-post team next year. We do not have two posts. If EJ comes back, maybe we do. But Harms really isn't that great in the post, let's be honest. 
He's like he's kind of like a three-point shooter and an elite rim protector. Well, that's why he wants to show off his NBA skills. Now, if he does come, uh, I, I'm not worried about the offensive side. The one thing Cal wants to preach and preach to every one of his players, what comes first? And Ashton Hagen's got it. It's defense. And I remember a certain game back in 2012 uh, against Kansas, Kentucky's elite player was a guy named Anthony Davis. And what did he do in the national championship game? He barely scored any points. So there you go. So with Matt Harms coming in, if he becomes a great defensive player, I'm I'm happy. We got plenty of other players out there with the, the likes of B.J. Boston coming in, Terrence Clark, uh, Devin Eskew. There's our scores. We just need this guy to defend the ball. Wait till y'all see that. Wait till y'all see Dante Allen score a basketball. I'm telling you, Matt Holmes already has protect protect the rim, which he can already do. He's proven that at Purdue. And I, I'm not saying the one dude that took his place. I can't remember his name that actually put him on the bench. Kind of, he ended up being a starter. He was a 300 pounds center. As he was giving his back to the basket, which is Big Ten basketball, right? Everybody knows they like yeah. they like the old school stuff. But I'm telling you, the elite rim protector that Matt Harms is—he's seven foot three, and he can block some shots. And I think his blocks are are higher than his rebounds, honestly. And everybody's like, "Well, he can't rebound." Well, I'm telling you, it's going to be rebound by committee next year because we're going to have a lot of athletic guys. He's perfect for this team, and I, and I wish people would just understand that. We're not getting Greg Brown. People keep saying, oh, Greg Brown. No, it's not that. No, but, you know, Kentucky's going to be fine. Whatever we have next year coming in, we're going, we're going to be fine. Cal Perry's got some answers, and, and, and there's still a lot to see what settles. I mean, we don't know what's happening out there right now, even with this pandemic, and the main thing I'm worried about are these guys decommitting or leaving out of Kentucky, but so far nothing's happened from there. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything, and I've done my best to try and dig up some stuff, and I still can't get any answers. So we got to wait until uh, what the deadline's April 26th, and then hopefully we'll uh, we'll figure out what's going on. And Carl says if it's going to be great, if they don't, no big deal. So uh, we'll have to see. I just. I just wish he hadn't have said something like that. It's like, wait a minute. Again, I go back to my point with Emmanuel quickly. Wasn't he the SEC player of the year? And you say it's okay if he comes or goes? I'm like, oh, don't talk at both sides of your mouth. It would be phenomenal if he came back. I wish he would. But let me tell you, let's just be honest. How many SEC player of the years have came back to school? None. Yeah, that's right. It's going to continue to be none. I love quickly. And I, I told a lot of people, and I may be wrong, if he's not a first-round pick, I've never seen a first-round pick because he's a 3-and-D guy, which is today's NBA is 3-and-D. So he's going to be a first-round pick. He's going to get guaranteed money. And he's going to stick around for a while. That's my opinion of quickly. And, and I wish he'd come back. Good God, do I wish he'd come back because he – he saved our behind so many times this year. It's, you can't even count it. Well, well it's only going to get tougher. Uh, to, uh, 
24-7 sports ranked the 2020 recruiting class teams this past year or uh, that's coming in this next season. And eight, let me think, five of the top eight teams in the uh, top teams are SEC schools. So that only means that, guess what, the SEC is getting tougher every day, and it's becoming a fantastic conference. Big Ten was probably the best this past season, but I'm telling you what, it, it's, you got Auburn, you got Tennessee. Rick Barnes has done a phenomenal job down there. We know what Bruce Pearl does. You got uh, LSU has a, a really great class coming in. Of course, Kentucky. I mean, it's just going to be a, a lot of fun. Tennessee's going to be really good next year. And, 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 and what we got on here, Michael, tell us a little bit how you got into radio because and we're going to go back to Atlanta Regional, drink a couple beers together and 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 you know what? You and I are now in a rib contest, and we're going to do this rib contest till we get it right. But <laughs> I, I, right. I, I, like, I like to try your ribs, and I hope you get to try mine one of these days. But so tell us how you got into radio, and this a little this is changing subject a little bit. And uh, tell us about Shannon the Dude. How how is it working with Shannon the Dude? All right. Well, uh, I got into radio. Uh, it's, it's a it's a crazy story. I was doing these games uh, for my kids' high school. It's a little school here in Louisville called Kentucky Country Day. Uh, the head football coach asked me to do uh, live broadcasts over the Internet of the games and wanted me to do the play-by-play. So I started doing it and enjoyed it. And then a close friend of my dad's listened to me and said, you're really good at it. And he used to work for host communication. So he had this idea. Uh, to come up with this, uh, what's called a vignette, which is a 90-second story that's played on the radio. And uh, he said, I want you to do four high school athletes, former high school athletes, and we're going to call it Great Moments in Kentucky High School Sports, where I highlighted these great athletes, uh, like uh, uh, Jimmy Dan Connor and uh, Rex Chapman. I did all these players, and our goal was to have – have them played on 20 different stations, and lo and behold, they became so popular. Uh, they were on over 40 stations throughout the state. And uh, so I, I got a phone call from a good friend of mine, one of the associate ADs at uh, Kentucky, and uh, he said, uh, let's have lunch. And so I had lunch with him, and uh, all of a sudden his name's Dennis Emery. He's the former head men's tennis coach at UK. And he goes, Michael uh, – he wanted me to donate money to the new baseball stadium. So it became the most expensive free lunch I've ever had. And uh, so he said, tell me what you've been doing uh, outside of, you know, your regular work. And I, I played him one of those vignettes. He looked at me and says, you need to do a radio show. He goes, I'll get you a host and we'll get you whatever guests you want to have on it. And, and uh, I presented it to iHeart. Next thing you know, I'm in a boardroom of uh, 12 executives in Kentucky for, uh, in the iHeart uh, offices here in Louisville, and then I'm doing a radio show a month later. So it's, it's just kind of random how it all happened. But uh, it's been a lot of fun going on two and a half years now. And, uh, you know, my original co-host was a guy by the name of Cal Macy, one of Rick Roby's former teammates. And uh, he he, uh, he decided this wow. wasn't for him. So Shannon, the dude, said, I want to be your co-host. And uh, so we've just kind of gone from there. And, and, and 
we have grown a really (laughs) – he'll never admit it, but we've grown a really close relationship, and I love the guy to death doing anything for him because he's probably one of the most loyal people I've ever been around. He's a lot of fun to work with. Good deal. Benny, you still there? Maybe that was Benny. But anyway, you know, when we we met down there in Atlanta – I don't think you, you had been doing it that long. And what you did no. and brought it through now is amazing. And, you know, that, that was such a fun time. And I'll be honest with you, that was my first regional. And uh, but, but what a great time, even though Kentucky lost to – you know what, that, that game was terrible. The referees killed Kentucky in that game. And, uh, you know, but uh, it, it was a fantastic experience. And, and Michael, what you bring to the table is amazing. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we uh, Shannon rode down and rode back home, rode down to Atlanta with me, rode back to Louisville with me. I have never laughed so hard in my life all the way all the way back to Louisville from Atlanta after a loss. And it's not because Kentucky losing; we were really disappointed about that. But Shannon oh, had yeah. come up with this Twitter account called Sister Jean, and if you recall, that was yeah. the team. Sister Jean, and, uh, I've got, I've got had pictures of her in the wheel. Yeah, I've got pictures of her from that tournament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it went national, and all kinds of national media was talking about uh, Sister Jean's Twitter account, when, in fact, it was not Sister Jean, it was Shannon the Dude. So, I thought that was Oh, wow. Cool. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think. Hey, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and, and Shannon's done a great job. And uh, it's it's just the cats that's on uh, here in Louisville. It's on 1080 WKJK, so you can listen to it on iHeartRadio app, or you can t- check out the uh, website as well that we started last year called JustTheCats.com. Yep, yep. And, and, and not only pay you guys down here in Paducah, but I, I can't remember the station, man. I know you guys are down here in Paducah too. Yeah, 99.5 The Fan. We're down in Paducah, yeah. we're in Ashland, we're in uh, Whitley City, Maysville, uh, and add more stations all the time. Maysville, hey, Mark. They're, they're in Fairhouse Town. Yeah, Benny's Town. Hey, Mike. Yes, Tell sir. me what, what it takes to get Matt Jones to come on. We've been trying for <laughs> for years. I know you got a, a <laughs> great Does Matt Jones even like you, Matt Michael? Jones. Does, <laughs> Does Matt Jones even like you, Michael? What, what? I, I I can't answer for Matt Jones. You you uh, you need to ask Matt that on, and I I wish you the best of luck getting Matt on your show. So, oh, he's different, man. I mean, you know, I, I we want to get him on. He he's you know I'm I'm a Republican, so Matt hates me, obviously. <laughs> but at the same time, but at the same time, I, I'm 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 willing to sit here and say that. I don't know that Trump's done the greatest job on this whole pandemic thing, <laughs> but but I don't know what's real because you know you watch one news channel and it says one thing, you watch another news channel and it says another thing. But like I say, yeah, Matt Matt's a cool dude and he he's one of those kind of guys we'd love to have on here. And and I listen to his show every day and I know how he, how he. Treats you. Uh, I ain't sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. That that's, that's the greatest. Well, I think you're. I think you're great, Mark. And I think. I think you keep him on his toes. That's how I see it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Well, I will tell you this. 
if it wasn't for Matt teasing about me and uh, Drew and Ryan having fun with me and coming on the show with me as well, I, I probably wouldn't have the, uh, the, my popularity popularity of the show grow as quickly as it has. So I, I am indebted to Matt, and I appreciate what he does. And, and I will say this. Uh, my dad, unfortunately, passed away last October, and one of the first texts and phone calls I got was from Matt Jones. And uh, exactly. I, I, I always think about that, and I always appreciate that. So I and always try to return the favor hope, as well. That's the thing I hope. Man, we're we we're very sorry to hear that. Very sorry to hear that, and uh, yes, your father's death. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, but, I think but, he but he's not, be able to. Yeah, he's. he's I think he should be able to be civil to people, just, regardless. Go ahead, go ahead. Have fun. Just have fun. That's all I do. So I like to tease him. When he teases me, I like to tease him right back. And I think that's what he yeah. kind of doesn't get used to. He's not accustomed to people coming back and and, and giving him a hard time. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? And, and I tell you what, Michael, for Michelle, our friend Michelle on Twitter, to say a lot about you, and I told her, I told her earlier today, I said, yeah, I had, a, I had a couple beers with this guy, and I think we bought beers for each other. I don't even remember, but we yeah. had a good time. I know that. And uh, even though they were yeah. outdated beers at that little bar in there, they were outdated, I believe, some of the people were saying, but we, we drank them all the <laughs> all same. Hey, we're, we're, well, we're Kentuckians. We, we, we tough it out. But, but uh, for her to right. say a lot about you, and I told her, I said, great guy, a lot of fun, very professional, and uh, – you know, who, who knew our paths were going to cross here again? And, and, and it's fantastic. Hey, it's pretty awesome, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, guys. Hey, thanks for coming on. And like I said, before COVID-19, I probably didn't drink once a week. But since COVID-19, I've drank every day. <laughs> and I don't know if it <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> hey, hey Miles, somebody was telling me yesterday when I was doing a periscope for a few minutes as I was uh, uh, smoking my ribs that I should uh, do a, a periscope every day, have a beer with Michael Bennett. So uh, yeah. it's not a bad idea because yeah. that's all it would take. I am such a yeah. lightweight. You give me one beer, and I'm a little tipsy <laughs> after that because I don't drink hardly at all. So but, yeah, hey. that would be fun. And he, you can tell Michelle that uh, I did get my car back. So. Uh, Hey, Michelle is like I'm gonna tell you guys something. Michelle is every every podcast, every radio show's dream. She listens to all of us. She thinks we're all dreams. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whether we are or not. And she does a good job. I mean, she's really she's really a good person and she's got a hell of a bourbon collection. <laughs> Oh yeah, well she gave me some brownies. She gave Shannon the dude and I some brownies when we did a remote up uh, in northern Kentucky, up in Florence. So uh, they were wow. incredible. But uh, yeah, wow. oh, yeah. So all right, guys. So, well, thank y'all very so, much for including me. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Michael. Yep. Have a great night. Y'all too. Take care. Well, Lee. There we go with another great one. It's been a it's been an awesome time here on Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass with Benny and Lee. But it's it's another one of the things, and and we've made it this far. We we got fourteen minutes left in the show, actually fourteen forty eight right now, and we haven't even mentioned the coronavirus. Well, I guess I mentioned it right then, but but it's been yeah. pretty cool, really. 
It's been pretty cool. Yeah, it, you know, it came. I don't up, know. It came up a little bit on the Rick Roby interview. I mean, we talked about how we was how we was uh, a, a day a day in Rick Roby's life with it, and it it has changed everybody's lives. You know, and it's uh it's concerning, and you know, I know our, our good friend Terry Brown from Cats Talk Wednesday posted something earlier today about the. Uh, some of these churches just still not understanding and, and and still having revivals and these people getting together and I think it was like fourteen fourteen people tested positive for COVID nineteen. So it That's just crazy, branches out man. and spreads people. We we have no. to get to where we we eliminate this thing by shutting everything down and we just let this thing die off and and. Until we do that, we're in trouble. We just extend its life. You know, every every time we're around people and possibly contaminating or being uh, exposed to this virus, we're just extending the life of it. Here's my thing, Lee. I, I've been fishing like I always did. I've been going by myself. And I just want to know what people's thoughts are. I mean, if y'all want to call in... Let me know. It's five one six five three one nine four seven four. Let me know what you think. But I haven't really changed anything because I still have to go to work. And I still go fishing every weekend. I went fishing this weekend, did pretty well. And I don't know. Am I in the wrong for going fishing? What do you think, Lee? I don't think so. I mean, you you you're doing it by yourself. Even if a, with a partner with you, I know you got a long boat. You guys are are, are distance apart, and I mean, you know, I, I'm I don't honestly do, do I feel any different? No, because I'm doing my yard work. I'm at home, and I'm not one of these people that gets out all the time either. But you know, when I do, you know, the other day when I went to Walmart, it, it was just a strange experience. You know, everybody going in single file and. It's just strange, you know what I mean? Let me ask you another one. Like where I live, I'm a mile from the grocery store, right? But the grocery store is in Ohio, and I live in Kentucky. But it's a mile to the grocery store. Am I doing wrong by going to Ohio to go to the grocery store? Or should I go to Ashland, which is 30 miles away, and go to the grocery store? I I mean, because we have people. We had people coming out taking pictures of her car saying we were violating the laws by crossing state yeah. lines. And I, and uh, I like, Governor Andy Bashir even said that, you know, you go to the close, closest grocery store, going across the straight line, the state line there is not, that's not, no, that, that's, no, I don't think you're in the wrong at all. You're going to the closest I can throw a rock grocery store. Ohio right. where I live. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I was I was thinking because they were making me feel pretty bad about going going to the grocery store. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus, I'm the, I'm the designated person in my family that goes to the grocery store, which is awful, really, because I don't know what to get. My old lady gives me, because my old lady has lupus, and everybody knows I'm trying to protect her from this. But at the same time, if I get it at the grocery store, she's probably going to get it too. It's just one of those situations, man. I don't, I don't know what the hell to do. 
Well, you've got to go to the store that's closest to you. You don't need to drive 30 miles for sure. And Andy Bashir gets that, and, he, and he's, he's forgiving of that. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't matter where this – this if, if you listen to Governor Bashir, COVID-19, the coronavirus is everywhere. It's, it's in your backyard, right? So it doesn't matter where you go. You just have to use the protective measures to keep from getting it. So that, that's all you got to do. He, he just doesn't want to see a lot of a lot of travel back and forth, a lot of travel back and forth. But I mean, for you, yeah. I mean, no, that that that's understandable, man. I mean, from one year, from one mile to thirty miles, no. And he even says that in some of his uh, some of his uh, YouTube videos in, in his in his conferences. So you're good, man. You're good, in my opinion. Well, you know, that's what I'm saying. They make you feel awful about it. And when we still live in America, right? I mean, like, I was at the dollar store. Actually, there's a dollar store close to here. It's in Kentucky. And they were out taking pictures of Ohio Lifestyle Place. And like I'm telling you, man, Ohio is one mile from my house. <laughs> and they're acting like they're the awfulest people in the world. And I'm just thinking, they're going too far. Because the lady that they were questioning was driving a van. She had a mask on, and she was in there buying essential stuff. And who knows if she was buying it for her mother that lives in Kentucky or or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I just think they're making her feel awful. And I think that it's going a little bit too far. I really do. And, and, And one of our buddies on Twitter, God, I can't remember his name, Jason, but he's a big UK football fan. And he was talking about his kids going to a grandma's funeral. Can we not have a few? We should have a funeral for immediate family. I mean, because we got, what, 1,500 people in Kroger's on any given day. You can't go in there when it's not crowded because people want to hoard shit, and it's ridiculous. Right, I agree. And, you know, it's just and now you can't even go in with uh, anyone from your family. It's got to be one person from the family. So it's tough, and, and yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have tougher things before it gets better. But my question is, where does it go from here? Is how are we gonna be? You know, I, I know. Um, are we gonna be shaking hands going forward? Is it gonna be different? Because I no. think it's gonna be more like the old, the old Northern Yankee philosophy. I, I think people are gonna be assholes. Going for I, I don't know. My honest opinion from now on, we fist up. We don't need to shake hands. Because let's be honest, the flu kills a lot of people, and we spread that shit by being old school, by shaking hands, by being in places we shouldn't be. So let's just fist bump and get it over with, and let's try not to have the situation again. Because Honestly, I feel like our civil liberties are being exposed at this point. Like, like when people are telling me where I can go and where I can't, I get that. I get what we're going through. But at the same time, I don't like being told what I can do and what I can't do. Right. I agree. And, you know, I'm not trying to change the subject because it, this, this is a sore subject for me right now. But... What a show today, Benny. I'm going to go back to that. And, you know, we mentioned our buddy Roger Harden, but 
we had Rick Roby on today and Michael Bennett. What a great show, and we hope everybody listens to to our show, and we appreciate you listeners out there. And you still have a minute to call in. If anyone should shoot the number to them. It is 516-531-9474. You can call in any time. We've got approximately six minutes and 17 seconds left for this show. You can call in right now. We'll take you. There's no one on hold, and we're ready to go. But like I say, I don't want to be negative when I talk about that stuff. I'm just saying it's six and one, half a dozen and the other. You know, you know you got to start changing things because we're in an epidemic that we've never been in before. And I hate to see people struggling, dying from this disease. But at the same time, I was talking to my old lady earlier. I don't know one person that's got it. I'm not going to say that there there isn't, but I don't know one person that's got the disease. And and Monsieur was talking earlier. I was listening to him before we came on the show. There's 1,900 people, 1,900 and some people with it, and 600 and something that's recovered, and those are counted in that. So we got like 1,300 people in Kentucky. I don't know if it's as big a deal here as it is everywhere else. Right? I don't know if they're just they're blowing us up to scare us, or I don't, I don't know if it's politically driven. I really don't know, Lee. That's what I'm saying. I really don't know, but I know one thing: I want to live my life. And, and my my poor thirteen year old has not been out of the house since this happened. And I don't know if I'm doing right or doing wrong. What do you think? I don't think you're doing wrong. I think they need to stay home because I think that's why our numbers are low. And and by being self-contained and, and healthy at home, I think I think it's working. I really do. And we had a head start on everybody else because we're in Central America. And but I will say this: tomorrow I have to be at work at five thirty in the morning just to clean and sanitize for the state. Officials coming into my plant, so we'll see what happens. I mean, we're maintaining right now with just a few salary people working, and it's tough. And I know people are struggling out there, but all I can do tell you is just stay strong. Uh, let the system work for you. I think Kentucky's working hard. I think Andy Bashir's working hard for you. Uh, just follow the steps, and, and it, it'll work out. And, and we're going to get back. But, man, what a long road to get there. It, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, not just from the sports world, but just from the financial and personal world. It, it's it's going to be a tough road back, guys. And, you know, I really feel sorry. And I know, Benny, you, you mentioned some things on Twitter about small businesses. I really worry about them, man. Let's do what we can for these people. If if we have a little extra money, let's help these people out. Do whatever we can, people, because we are all together in Kentucky. And it doesn't just have to be Big Blue Nation. To me, Big Blue Nation means you do whatever it takes for your fellow Kentuckians. I agree 100%. And like I say, I'm, not, I, I'm definitely not the world-pronounced person to be speaking on this like I say it could be it could be better it could be worse than what I think but I think that we just got we got to look at 
we got to look at a lot of different things. And, and there's so many small businesses, like I said the other day, that will not come back from this. It's sad. It's sad we let it get to this point. I don't know how it got to this point. But I think most of the blame should probably be somewhere else and not here. And most of the blame's on China. Yeah, I don't know where the blame is, but we're going to find out before it's all said and done. But let's get back to Kentucky basketball for a minute. And uh, as as bad as this is, and uh, where do you guys think we're going? We, we, you know, I was really surprised. Nick, Michelle, sack shoes. Lisa didn't call in today, but where do you guys think we're going? We're, we're going to challenge you guys right now to tell us where Kentucky basketball is going to be for this next season. Hopefully we have one, but where is it going to be? Who do we get? Tell us your thoughts. And I may have lost Benny, but thank you all for listening to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with Benny and Lee. Uh, thanks again to our special guest today, Rick Roby and Michael Bennett. What a wonderful show. You guys have a happy Easter. We love all of you. Please follow us on Twitter at KYB Ball.